0: Welcome to Emotional Detox. I'm Sherrianna and I'm so grateful to have all of you here today. And I want to remind you guys that I am going to be at 1440 Multiversity in Scotts Valley, California on February 14th for a weekend. And we're going to be detoxing there. I'm going to be taking you through an emotional detox. It's actually on Valentine's Day. So either do your Valentine's Day early or bring your Valentine to 1440, you won't regret it. It's going to be an incredible weekend. And I don't want you guys to miss out on that opportunity. In addition, make sure you grab my new book, Emotional Detox for Anxiety. I will be putting those links in at the bottom of this episode in addition to the information on my guest today, and I, guys, I bring you the best. I am absolutely committed to bringing you the best of the best, and that is what I have for you here today. So I'm going to introduce Dr. Ivnan Misner. He is the founder of the and the chief visionary officer of BNI, the world's largest business networking organization founded in 1985. And there are over 9,000 chapters all over the world. BNI has generated 11.2 million referrals, resulting in $14.2 billion worth of business for its members. He has his PhD. He's a New York Times bestselling author. He's written 24 books, including his latest, which I'm sure he'll share a bit today, on who's in your room. He's also a columnist for entrepreneur.com. He's a professor. He's called the father of networking by CNN, and one of the top networking experts by Forbes. He's considered to be the world's leading expert on business networking, and he's been a keynote speaker for corporations and associations throughout the entire world. He's been featured in LA Times, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, as well as numerous TV and radio shows, including CNN, the BBC, and the Today Show on NBC. And among his many awards... He also has received the Humanitarian of the Year by the Red Cross and John C. Maxwell Leadership Award. He is proud to be the co-founder of BNI Charitable Foundation. He and his wife, Elizabeth, are empty nesters with three adult children. And in his spare time, he is an amateur magician and a black belt in karate Dr. Misner, welcome to Emotional Detox.
1: Oh, uh, thank you so much. It's a real pleasure to be here. I, I appreciate you having me on.
0: Ah, uh, absolutely. I just feel we we are so lucky to have someone with such knowledge. I I have to ask you, this all didn't happen overnight, did it?
1: <laughs> oh, no, you know. It's- any success it's a journey not a destination you know it's something you're working on for a long time
0: how did it get planted can you just give us a glimpse before we get into the content how how did you plant these seeds how did this all come about BNI
1: well I think BNI is a great example of necessity being the mother of invention um, I'd like to tell you I had this uh, vision of an international organization with uh, groups all over the world. But um, I I started BNI because I I needed referrals for the business I was in. I was a management consultant. I was young. I was 28 years old. This consulting practice. And I had gone to a lot of networking groups that were very mercenary. And it was all about selling to each other. And I'd leave those and I felt like I'd been slimed and I needed to go home and get a shower. And then I went to these other groups that were all social. It was happy hour and hors d'oeuvres and no business was being done. And I didn't like either of those. And so I, I, I formed a group and, and it was just a group to get referrals for my business and to help my friends get business. And it merged the focus on business with the focus on relationship. And the glue that would hold it together is our principal core value of giver's gain. This idea that if you want to, if you want to get business, you got to help other people get business. And it worked so well. People asked me, would you help me open up my own group? And at first I said, no, this, this isn't what I do. I'm a business consultant. And, and, but I, they talked me into it and I opened a second and then a third and then a fourth and then a fifth. And we ended up having 20 chapters the first year really by accident. and It was at that point in December of 1985 that I said, wait a minute, because I, I always take time and I urge business people, before the new year, you gotta sit back and, 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 and think about where you wanna go next year and how did this last year compare to what your vision was. And that year it was like, what the heck just happened? That was not what I had envisioned. And it hit me, two things. One, we don't teach this in colleges and universities anywhere in the world. And, um, and because of that, people don't know how to network. Uh, and two, people are hungry for referrals. And because they don't know how to get them, they're winging it and they're doing it wrong. And that's when I decided that I, I could scale this and that's when I created the plan to scale B&I. We now have over 9,400 chapters in more than 70 countries. You mentioned 11.2 million referrals, 14 billion. That's just in 2018. We, we have done hundreds of billions of dollars um, in business for our members since the organization started that. So that's just one year.
0: That's amazing. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that and that it just sort of... Yeah, I'm. I'm a psychology professor as well, and and we we, it reminds me of you know when you have a grant and you're looking to find a solution, right? That's one yeah. thing, and then there's another thing that happens where you just stumble upon something, right. and sometimes some of the the greatest inventions are come from that. This just a just a willingness to be curious.
1: You're right. And, and you've got to be prepared to open your mind to those because, you know, I could have stayed on the, no, 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 I want to be a business consultant path, which was a great path and I loved it. But I, I, it, it just hit me, this is really impacting a lot of people and, and I didn't expect it. And so you're a psychology professor, we have a little bit of overlap. My, uh, organiz- my uh, uh, doctoral degrees with an emphasis on organizational behavior. So with organizational behavior, there's a a psychology element to business in, in that. Clearly not the same, but it's related.
0: Absolutely. And, and I, I agree that it's, it's not taught in schools. Um, You know, I'm sure you as a professor as well, I do my best to bring real life stuff in and it really does make a difference. You know, I had a group of kids, we, I taught the week before Thanksgiving and I said to them, guys, there's nothing, you know, Thanksgiving's next week. And they were like, what? And it was the first time ever that I had students that were bummed to miss class. Um, And it was because it's really bringing that reality, you know, real life stuff. And that's what you get at BNI, you know, you get um, at these meetings. So I also want to ask you, um, because this is emotional detox, right? And and in the emotional detox perspective, I the perspective is there is no bad emotion; they're all good as long as you feel them. When it comes to business, there's a lot of fear, right? There's also there's there's two parts to this question. One is. I imagine there were many times that you ran into perceived obstacles and you got nervous or you, you know, may, I want, I'm going to ask you how you addressed fear in, in your journey and in your, all the books you've written and also about being overextended. Because I do see that a lot with people when it comes to people who come to me for anxiety. Yes. They feel overworked. They feel overextended. They don't know how to balance it all. And it's, ca- it's creating anxiety in their life. So I'd love if you could speak to those topics. Two
1: great questions. <laughs> so let's start with the first one. Yeah. Um, it's really funny. When people talk to someone who's achieved some level of success, they think that they've gone through their life without fear. And, you know, that's just not true. It's not true for most people. It's not true for me. I I have been um, in situations where, you know, even even if it's not fearful, uncomfortable, nervous. So the short answer to, I think, the question is, you have to learn, for, for me, I can't tell other people what to do, but for me, I had to learn how to embrace the fear. To recognize the fear and embrace it. And I'll give you two simple examples. Well, one simple one, one a little, little, little more of a story. Um, I speak to thousands of people. I stand up in front of audiences. I think, uh, you know, the largest audience I've talked to is maybe 7,000 people. I get nervous, (laughs) even if I'm going out to speak to 500 people. When I was, the business was smaller and I had to speak to 50 people, there's a little bit of nerves. And I learned for me, and everybody's different, but I learned for me to embrace that, that that in fact was my adrenaline. And I discovered it almost by accident, because one day I went out, it was a group of about 200 people, and I was talking to people, and all kinds of things were going on, and then I heard myself being introduced. I walked up, I never got nervous, and I actually did not do as good a job that time. What I found was that if I'm standing there and I'm being introduced, the nerves start to kick in, and I start thinking, okay, I got to go do a good job because this director who's brought me out here, they want me to do a good job and I got to make a difference. And, and, you know, if I don't make a difference, then this isn't going to work for them and why would they bring me out? And then when I get introduced, I got this little, little bit of nerves, but those nerves become the adrenaline that get me to be on top of my game. So I, I, I for me, it was about embracing the fear acknowledging the nervousness, but not letting it uh, incapacitate me. I'll give you a real life example.
0: Yeah. How did you not let it, how, how did, how were you able to keep it so that it, it fed you, gave you energy, gave you focus?
1: I think the time I learned that I didn't do as well when I wasn't nervous was an epiphany for me.
0: You didn't do as well when you weren't nervous.
1: Yeah, because I just went out there and started talking and I didn't have the same adrenaline push that I often had. And that allowed me to recognize that the nervousness, if I didn't let the nerves control me, actually helped me.
0: Interesting.
1: That was me. Everybody's got to find their own.
0: I, I love that. So you didn't do as well when you realized the moment you didn't do as well when you didn't have the nerves. Yeah. That's when you started to learn, hey, embrace this.
1: Yeah, because I was too, too casual, too off the cuff. It wasn't, I wasn't on as much as I often was. And, and that's when it hit me. It's okay to be nervous.
0: There's nothing wrong with being nervous. Awesome. And what was and, the example that you were going to Well, offer? Here's,
1: a, here's a great example. And this is a real life example is when I came out with my first book. Uh, well, my first major book, uh, the first book I wrote, I think sold 20 copies. So nobody knows.
0: <laughs> I can relate to that one. Yeah. So this was my first major giving book. You've them away at that point. Like yeah. just yeah. take some away in, the,
1: in my garage. So, um, so The first major book I did is called The World's Best Known Marketing Secret. And I remember it was in bookstores, I was so excited. And there was a bookstore near my house and I pulled up to it and I wanted to go in and see if they would carry copies. It was a small bookstore. You know, now there aren't that many bookstores around. Amazon's killed most bookstores, but I don't know if you remember Walden Books. They were a very small one that was not in a mall. It was just a standalone Walden Books. And so I, I pulled up and I thought, it was very close to my house. I thought, you know, I wonder if they have any copies of my book. And, and if they do, um, if they don't, maybe, maybe they'd order them, and I could come in and, and sign them. And so I sat out there, and I was froze. And in my car, and this is, you know, 30 years, 25 years ago. So I sat in my car, my first big book. I'm nervous. What if I went in and said, would you like to have some, you know, I'm a local author, would you, would you like to have some copy? And what if they said, no. We don't want copies of your book, right? And, and so I'm like, I'm frozen. I didn't know what to, to say. And it hit me, something that a good friend of mine uh, taught me, Dr. Mark Golston. He's a psychiatrist. And he used to be an FBI hostage, hostage negotiator. He was awesome. a great friend of mine. Wow. And and he, he has this saying, which I absolutely love. He said, we have a lot less control over winning or losing at something than we do over trying or quitting at something. Interesting. He said, always try. You can okay, eventually. So you got, well, oh,
0: hi. I gotta say that again. So we have a lot less control over winning winning or losing, or losing something. something than we, we do, do over do. trying or quitting. Over trying or quitting.
1: And he said, always try. You can eventually win. But if you always quit, you can never win. Yeah. So I sat there and I thought, all right, what if I go in and they chuckle and I feel embarrassed and they say no, and I walk out. I have nothing more than I have now. Yeah. But what if I go in and they say, yeah, okay, we'll order some books. And... You can come in and sign them. And so I, I just, you know, pulled it together and I, I mean, I sat in my car for probably 10 minutes and I walked in, told them who I was, told them what my book was. They said, you know what? We think we actually have a couple of copies of your book. Uh, (laughs) We would like for you to sign them. And if we ordered some more, would you come back? And of course, I said, well, yes, I'd be very happy to come back. And, and I walked out of that. And I thought, my goodness, that was such an incredible, powerful lesson. that You can't let fear stop you from doing what you want to achieve what you want to accomplish. Because the worst thing that would have happened was they would have chuckled at me. And I'd have felt a little stupid and left. But so what? I'll never I'll never meet them again. Wow. And what if they said yes? And not only what I hadn't thought of, not only did they have them, but they wanted me to come back and do more. Yeah. That was outside my paradigm. And it was it, it opened, it really opened my mind for take take the risk. What's what's the big deal? Nobody's gonna get hurt.
0: I think of nowadays it's so different than the way that you and I grew up when when we used to go in and apply for a job, yeah. right? And everything is online. I think of I have three daughters and my middle daughter just applied somewhere and she hasn't heard back. And, and I said, honey, you got to go in, you know, you, yeah. as soon as they see your face and you open your mouth, Thank you're you. going to, you know, you're going to get that job, right? Because you, yeah. you present yourself so well, you're adorable and you're a good worker. So yeah. just go in and say, Hey, and, um, and it's, amazing how many of my students they get so scared right and it's really right. that fear of rejection that right. comes up for people the fear of looking stupid or being judged and and that's all a reaction right i mean i think it sounds like you you've learned to say hey i mean just give it a try don't quit right and so so the way you address the fear was really to have that in your mind that you have, the one thing you have control over is that you can give it a shot.
1: Give it a shot. And that's why I say embrace the, embrace the feelings. Don't run away from the feelings. Um, and, and, and do your best to push through them. Find whatever works for you to push through them. For me, it was the adrenaline thing and speaking. And it was the, what do I have to really lose? Cause if I don't go in, and they don't have the book, they're still not going to have the book. What do I really have to lose?
0: Right. And how do you, for people who have that anxiety, right, that fear, and there's it's growing with the social anxiety that people are choosing not to go to things, not to be social anymore. And here you are in the world of networking, and I'm wondering which, which you know, I'm curious about who's in your room, <laughs> that your latest book Where do you feel that BNI is helping people to overcome that fear of rejection? That do you feel that community environment is really.
1: I do. I do. I want to tackle your second question too, about. Yes, please. uh, uh, The balance. Uh, But this is a great question. Um, I I think it is because I'll tell you why. BNI i is about uh, people getting together on a weekly basis and building relationships. So it's not like going to a big event with hundreds of people and you're just one little cog in a gigantic wheel. You're in a, a smaller group that's building relationships. You know, the average size chapter is just under 30. Um, and so you, you get to know these people, trust these people. One of the things that I teach is that networking is more about farming than it is about hunting. It's about cultivating relationships with people. And so if you're uncomfortable meeting a lot of people, b is a great environment for that because it allows you to meet people and build a relationship rather than just be a number.
0: I love that. So talk to us about overworked, right? Yeah, overworked I, I just and, and, overworked yeah. people and, and feeling overextended. And yeah, I know I should be networking and doing all this stuff, but I am... I have no time. I have no time, Dr. Me- I, I'm, I've got too much on my plate. And well, I, I can't stop and go to an hour meeting. Well, that's, <laughs> it, 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 it,
1: two different issues. Let me come to that one. But let's talk about the balance thing in general, which is, okay. I don't have time. And, and that, we really addressed that towards the end of who's in your room. you want to know the secret to balance? Yes. I am going to give you and all your viewers, listeners, The secret to balance.
0: Okay, let's hear it.
1: Yes. Forget about balance. You'll never have
0: it. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Good.
1: Now, sometimes people get upset with that. I'm glad you love it.
0: Oh, I love it. I (laughs) love it.
1: People are like, oh my gosh, I thought I was going to get something really significant. (laughs) Yes, I am going to give you something significant. (laughs) <laughs> but I think we, we're looking at it all wrong. We look at life as a balancing act. I believe more life is more like a juggling act. We're <laughs> juggling so many things. And we look at life as the scale, like scales, that our life has to be in balance, that our business has to be in balance with our personal life and our spiritual life and our health. Wow, life is just way too crazy. Yeah. Perfectly in balance.
0: It, I agree, and you know it's it's interesting because I feel the same way when I just gave a talk last night just about stress, and and I just say you know forget about trying to get rid of stress. You know that's always the message: get rid of stress, get rid of stress. Like you don't want to get rid of stress. First of all, you want to be yes. good at stress, right? Yes. And um, because like you said, look at where, look what stress did for you. Yes. Right. Look what it really. It can take you
1: up a notch.
0: It takes you up a notch. Forget about getting rid of stress and forget about, um, I love forget about having balance because you'll never have it. That is.
1: But I have, I have a good follow-up to it. Okay. I believe that balance is impossible. I believe that. But I do believe that you can have a life of harmony. Mm. Harmony is different than Ah. balance. Even the graphic for harmony, the yin and the yang, if you were to separate them, are out of balance. Mm. And so how do you create a life of harmony? No. I, I have a life that is way out of balance. But I have a life that I believe is harmonious. Mm-hmm. And, and here are a handful of things. We talk okay. about this at length in, in Who's in Your Room. But I'll give you two or three techniques
0: Okay.
1: To, to think about how do you create a life of harmony instead of a life of balance. Here's the first one. It sounds simple. It's not. Three words. Be here now. Yeah. Be here now. Don't yeah. be at work. Thinking about the fact that you didn't spend time with the family last night. Yeah. Don't be at home thinking about the work project that's got to get done. Yeah. Wherever you are, be fully present. It is something I have really strived to do throughout most of my life. We talk about it in Who's in Your Room. I don't tell this story in Who's in Your Room, and I think it's a powerful story. I was sitting – now, my son is twenty-six. He was 17. He and I were sitting at, at, at. We lived in California at the time. We're sitting in our house in California, big screen TV, and he and I are playing a game of Halo, which is like a two shooter person game, and he's kicking my butt. And we were leveling up, which is buffering to the next level. And and so we had a moment or two, and I, I turned to him and I said, Hey, hey buddy, was I around enough for you as you were growing up? Wow what? I said, was I around enough? He's like, you're around all the time. I said, well, I don't know if you noticed, but I travel every other week. And, and so I'm like not here for three, four, five days at a time. I don't know if you noticed that. He's like, yeah, yeah I noticed, but I don't know. It's like, well, whenever you're here, you're like totally here. Can, can we get back to the game now? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, wow. we can get back to the game now. You bet. And to me, oh, that was it.
0: Yeah, you got it.
1: Yeah, because yeah. when I, I travel, listen, I have two and a half million miles on one airline. Wow. So I travel a lot. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to make sure, I also wanted to be involved in raising our children, not just be an absentee dad. And so when he said, yeah, you're around all the time, that told me that when I was present, I was present. Wow. If you can do that. Yeah then it's okay if you're not there all the time. But when you are there, be there.
0: Yeah. And Um, and I love your strategy of asking. I mean, I think of uh how many people were, they're too afraid to ask. Am I, am I there? Am I around for you? Yeah. I mean, I love the way you asked the question and be willing to be open to receiving some feedback.
1: Yeah. And I was worried. Yeah, sure. I was worried about the response. Yeah. And was actually, kind of, I was kind of surprised when he looked at me like, he, you know, he did one of those cocky in your hands like, what? <laughs> yeah, you're here all the time. So um, here's another one. Okay. In the book, we talk a lot about values. You've got to know your values. If you don't know your values, you cannot create the room you want. Yeah. And, and I'd love if we have time to just give you maybe two minutes Whatever on what the room I, it, concept is. It's all
0: is. yours. It's your time. I, go so, ahead. All right. Well, then
1: let's start with the room. And then I'll give you the second of the harmony. Okay. Imagine you live your life in one room.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that one room has one door. Okay. And that one door is an enter only door.
0: Enter only so that, door. Yeah.
1: Okay. So that when people come into your room or into your life.
0: They can't go out. <laughs> yeah,
1: they're there forever. I can't kick them out. <laughs> yeah. You'll never get them out of your room.
0: Now, if that okay. were true. Yeah
1: would you be more selective about the people that you led into your life? Oh, yes, I would. That's what everyone said. So our <laughs> argument is then why are we more selective? <laughs> because it's yeah. more than a metaphor. Mm, true. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. I want you to think of someone right now mm-hmm. who you got out of your life. They were in your life, but yeah. you got them out. But they were caustic. They were difficult. They were mean. They were Whatever. I want yeah. you to think of someone, and if you're if you're listening or watching this, I want you to think about someone as well. Now, I'm not going to make you name them. Okay. Do you have somebody in your mind?
0: Uh, I do. I mean, it wasn't anyone close, but just yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah they but, were in your
1: life. You got. But they them
0: were in the in the atmosphere. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and they were caustic, difficult, whatever. I want you to think about something they did that really annoyed you.
0: Okay. Yes. You got it.
1: Got it. So if they're still in your head, they're still in your room. Mm. I interviewed Dr. Daniel Amen. Uh, he's a friend of mine and I, he, he did the um, uh, PBS specials on neuroscience. He's a neuroscientist. Yes, I
0: love Dr. Amen, brain scans and oh yeah. He's I'm Great very
1: guy, love Dr. Amen.
0: Amazing, I'm a huge fan of his work, yes. Well,
1: One of the things he said to me was, yeah. When you have any kind of relationship with someone, their fingerprints are all over your brain.
0: Mm.
1: You will remember whatever it is they did to you, good or bad, yeah, for the rest of your life. And so Yeah,
0: I and from the emotional detox perspective, I totally get that. And I what I have learned is once you feel the emotions fully process them, it's not that the memory goes away but their ability to trigger you yes, is what and, changes. And that when I'm thinking about this person, they don't trigger me anymore. Right, It's irrelevant. It, there's no learnings there anymore. Like it's like whatever I needed to receive out of that has been given to me through the experience of my emotions. But I had to get to that place. Agreed. And, and, right? and no
1: problem with that. Uh, yeah. Not everybody has realized how to do that.
0: no kidding
1: yeah so unless you've realized how to do that they're continually impacting your decision making
0: Mm. yeah it might be a good experience
1: and and it it might be a bad experience so what we talk about is you need to have a doorman (laughs) oh i would (laughs) love
0: a doorman
1: yeah so now the the doorman screens people that are coming into your life Now, how do they screen them? We're going to come back to that in a moment. But the doorman, and you can call it what you want. You can call it a bouncer. You can call it a guard. You can call it a door person. We chose doorman. The doorman is your conscious, subconscious mind. Mm. And what is the room? The room begins here on your right temple and ends here on your left temple. It is your mind. It is It is you. and everyone that you let into your head and your doorman is your conscious and subconscious mind that screens people out from ever getting into your life or into your room they might be out on the porch but but they don't get into your head and and so you have to train your doorman Mm. you train your doorman on yeah your values which means mm. and this is where we get to the point in, that I'm going to get to in harmony yeah you've got to know your values and when i say to people what are yeah. your give me give me your top seven values yeah it's like deer
0: in the headlights
1: They're yeah like, what yeah
0: um what what are the seven values that you run your life by? top seven values i mean that would be worth people writing down for the new year there are are so
1: many exercises we have them in the book but they're all over the place to figure out what your values are when you figure out your values then you train your doorman now one of the places to start are deal breakers Uh uh-huh you can start with values by thinking about deal breakers what are the things
0: that you just don't want around you Oh, yeah. Well, I, you know, it's funny. I think about that one with this podcast. I feel like I do have a doorman, right? Who do I want to interview and be a part of this vibration that I'm creating? And, and that, that's the way I feel. It's really according to my values. Yep. Um, yep. And and I follow my heart. I really follow my heart and my higher guidance of what, and it comes to me. The universe just sends me the right person, the right time. so that's sort of how I make the decisions for what kind of material and information to put out into the world.
1: But you got to know those values. You got to be good with them. You got to know what what your deal breakers. My wife [SSS3] and I, you can actually have deal breakers for couples.
0: Ah, so yeah.
1: my wife and I, one of our deal breakers, in, yeah. in going out with other couples, spending time with other couples, is, it is that breaker? that other couple has to, <laughs> as a rule, love and respect each other.
0: Oh, so you don't want to hang out with people that don't
1: love, love and respect each other. And we oh. hit us, as we were going through this process, that oh. we had some couple friends who mm. may have loved each other, but they were not respectful ah. to each other. Or they were respectful to each other, but it didn't really seem to be in love. <laughs> gotcha. And so we decided that if we're going to hang out with other people, other couples, we uh-huh. wanted to hang out. And listen, nobody totally, I have not maybe been as loving or as respectful. Absolutely. Like I've always been. Yeah. And the same for my wife. But as a rule, we want to hang out with people that generally treat each other in a, in a loving and respectful way.
0: Hmm. And that became a
1: deal breaker. And it's yeah. certainly one of our values in terms of um, relationships with other people.
0: Awesome. So we have we know your values, write down your top seven values. Uh, yeah.
1: So now let's go back to the harmony. Oh, yes. You must, I had to give you that to give you this. Okay. You must be willing to both let go and hold on. Ooh. Oh. Contrary to popular belief. Yeah. I do not believe you can have it all.
0: Oh, I, lo- I, I love, I do- love people that challenge things. I do. I mean, that's, I, I'm right with you. Challenge what's out there. Don't just buy into it. Right.
1: I think, I think you have to make choices. It's a matter yeah. of discernment.
0: It is and about so discernment.
1: What are you going to make choices based on Mm. You make them on your values. Yeah. So you have to learn what things are coming to you that you must say no to, that you must let go of. Mm. Because they're not in alignment with your values or your mission or the things you love, Yeah. the things that are important in your life. you got to let them go.
0: Yeah. And, and, and it's funny because in the emotional detox perspective – I'm not a fan of letting go. Um, I feel it's a trigger word for a lot of people. I don't get much from that when I say, oh, just let it go. Or someone says to you, just let it go. I don't, I don't receive any energy from that. I don't
1: mean let it go in terms of a conversation. I mean, let it go in terms of doing certain things.
0: Yeah. I I mean, what I'm referring back to what you said about challenge things, right? When people say, you know what I mean? You can, you can have it all or let it go. Like, don't be afraid to challenge it. Let
1: me give you an example of of something I let go. Yeah. It hit me that I, it wasn't in my values. Okay. I was on the board for an educational institute, an, an, a large educational institution. Okay. I was on the board of trustees. And it came to me that institutions like that are getting students more and more in debt.
0: Uh, you think? Yeah. And <laughs> that, that
1: was not something that I could no, I could no longer support that concept. Yeah, and although I loved the role, mm-hmm. I loved what I was doing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It didn't hit my values anymore. Yeah, and I resigned.
0: Wow, and Ooh, I let talk go. About letting go,
1: I'm so of something I liked doing. Yeah, yeah. But an organization that no longer was resonant with yeah. my values.
0: So you let go and you held on at the same time.
1: Yeah. Well, what you hold on to Mm -hmm. are things that are resonant with your values. And And it's everything. Yeah. You hold on to those with dear life. It's everything. Yeah. Yes. So let go of the things that aren't resonant with your values. Yeah. Hold on to the things that are resonant with your values, which makes it
0: easier to say yes or no. does make it easier. Yes, it does it really does and you look at it and you're like why why am i giving so much time and thought and energy why am i worrying and torturing myself with these decisions when they don't align with my values but it makes perfect sense you gotta know your values yes and, then and you gotta stand that, up for them
1: the rest falls in line and
0: you can actually, and then I got a lot of other things that you can I'm sure you have a ton. I, and you could, you're more than welcome. To come back as often as you like. We could just go on and on and on. But I want to honor that you gave us your time today. Is there anything that's gnawing at you right now that you want to make sure you, you let our listeners know?
1: Well, you know what? They can get copies of Who's in Your Room on Amazon. It is at bookstores. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'll leave you with this. I think you can create the life of your dreams.
0: Okay. I believe in that. Yeah.
1: Um, but you can't just let it happen to you. You got to have a plan. Y- yes. You got to, you got to create, you got to, you have to be the, you have to imagine yourself as the curator yeah. of yeah. your life. And things happen that you can't, um, you, you know, you have no control over, but you can curate the response.
0: That's right. And if you
1: have a plan as to what's how you're going to handle certain things, you become a better curator at surprises. Yeah. And that's really what Who's in Your Room is is all about. And if anybody's interested in in checking out BNI, BNI BNI.com is is a great place to go.
0: Yes. This has been so incredible, so enlightening. I'm, I know. I know for a fact there's going to be a lot of people that feel such a sense of relief after hearing the the many suggestions and stories. I love stories, right? We learn so much from stories. And you are truly an illustration of what it looks like to be a visionary. Thank you for having values and upholding them in this world. I think it's so important and i also want to throw out my mission out there is to get this world feeling again and i want to remind folks that well first of all thank you and get the book uh who's in your room get the book (laughs) and and check out all of the his bni and all the possibilities there for you And to my listeners, remember that your emotions matter. Processing them matters more. Until next time, bless.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn more about the Emotional Detox Live Group Coaching Sessions and all of Sheriana's books, go to sharianaboyle.com.